All right, gents, we're going to look at a, uh, a particular chiddush from the writings of the Gaon, um, as is our custom Monday nights. Looking at uh, the Pasha Shavua, Pasha Tazria, as the launching pad for, uh, for the discussion. Um, from the footnotes, we will also see that there's an opportunity to discuss this further than actually the Pasha, but into more areas of halacha as well. Now, Pasha Tazria opens as follows. Uh, that there's a mitzvah of Mila come day eight in a baby boy's life. Um, apparently, the the Talmidim of the Gaon asked him a particular question um, at a at a particular gathering or when they were with him regarding mitzvot which have reasons associated with the mitzvah. Uh, or reasons which are attached to various enactments of Chazal. We know the phenomenon quite well, right? Chazal will make an enactment. They, uh, every now, you know, in, in many of the Takonas, there'll be a reason attached to it. And the question that will arise is, when the reason disappears, what happens to the Gezerah? Right? We have this often. Especially with uh, the Takanot of Chazal, um, we see it... Uh, I guess in the areas of health, for example, uh, you see it quite a lot. Very famous question about leaving water uh, or liquid uncovered um, in a room where, there no, where there's no one around. So let's say you have a glass of water, you sip off the glass of water or orange juice, you leave it in the kitchen, you run to the lounge to go and grab a safe or something, you come back to the kitchen, and now you've changed rooms or the rooms aren't fully interconnected, so you've left the one room, the liquid is now left uncovered, exposed uh, to the elements um, for, a, for even a short amount of time. And now we've got a question of whether we need to worry about Chazal's um, dictum that liquid left uncovered uh, needs to be thrown out, cannot drink it anymore because there's a problem. The problem could be a Ruach Ra'ah. We have to define Ruach Ra'ah. Uh, but let's say it's to do with health that in those days there were the, the vulnerability to um, poisonous insects, snakes, um, you know, crawling around and having access to what you've eaten, uh, are much more, um, were much more acute compared to our day and age, where even though it's exposed to the elements, it's in a, in a, in a clean house, so there's no, there's no problem. The chance of having anything falling into the drink is like, you know, it's uh, such a small statistic, it should really be butter. And this will be the question. The question will be, the reason to worry about exposed water or juice is because there might, uh, some poison might be infused in there via some animal or creature. Now that there's no chance of that, or such a minute statistic, can we ignore the gazera because it seems the gazera is stapled to the reason. All right, so these are kind of, uh, the concept in general is when reasons are given for the mitzvot, and the reason disappears, what happens, to, what happens to the mitzvah? This is the discussion that is brought down here between the Talmudim of the Gaon and the Grah. Uh, the question is, what's the story? So in this particular little get-together or gathering that, uh, that existed there, um, the Gaon was asked for his reaction to, to this. If the re- reason disappears, the mitzvah or the gazera should disappear. To which the Gaon said, if you take this position, 
that if the reason disappears, the gazaira should disappear. If you take such a reason, you take this position, then you'll never have a Brit Milah on day 8. The Pasuk in Pasha Tazriya says, It reinforces the mitzvah of Milah. We, uh, we've often made this comment, uh, when I say often, in teaching it, uh, I've often made it, I don't know about this particular group, but we've often, I've often made the comment, because it comes up quite often, that um, when you look to the world of mitzvot, uh, the motivation for a mitzvah is it's being commanded after Sinai. From, from the time the Torah is given, then the world of mitzvot and halacha as we know today take shape. What about the values that precede Matan Torah? Are those, how do we look at those values that came before? Brit Milah comes before Matan Torah. Why do we keep Brit Milah? Because Avram Avinu was told to keep it? Or because we were told in Pasha Tazria, you know, to mala our kids on day eight? So the Rambam has a famous statement, Mishenitna Torah nidchatshu halacha. From the time the Torah was given, it almost reset the world of halachic values. So what existed as a command by Kosh throughout all the ages, whether it was explicit or derived um, to the Avot and Imahot and all the generations going forward, it has no bearing on us halachically. If it was repeated, if it was repeated, the, the value was repeated after Sinai, that's the reason we keep it. There has to be some, there has to be some mention, there has to be some, something has to sort of connect to after Sinai. Um, and therefore there's a really interesting exercise to identify mitzvahs that were given before Sinai, like the prohibition of eating Gidanashe, for example. Where do you find it after Sinai? Mm-hmm. Right? There's a, there's a really, really interesting discussion with all these kind of mitzvahs. So, so if they were given before Sinai but not mentioned in the Torah afterwards, what do we do? It's as if it's, it's, as if it's like erased. And we don't keep it then? We, don't keep, we only keep mitzvot because they were given at Sinai. Okay. So what you will find is that 99% of the time you'll find that mitzvot that were given pre-Sinai were then repeated after Sinai. So which give, give examples of ones that weren't repeated? So when, when what you'll find more than having it not repeated is you'll have the nuance change. There'll be a certain nuance change. So um, when it comes to, just for argument's sake, um, when it comes to the mitzvah of having children, where's, where's the real source of the mitzvah? And, and, you know, how broad is the scope of the mitzvah? Does it, is it a mitzvah given to Jews and non-Jews alike? What's the, does the nature of the mitzvah change? So we know that Akush Baruch told Adam and Chava on a number of occasions, uh, now the first time he told them, you could argue that it wasn't a tzivoy, rather it was a brocha, because it says vayivarech. Akosh Baruch blessed them with the ability and he said, pruvu. Parshat Noach, there's already a re-command, a tzivoy to Noach to have children. Anyway, bottom line is these are all really good discussions. The, the reason I bring it simply is because we have the mitzvah of Milah, which was a classic mitzvah, given to, you know, a classic meaning it was like, the, the real first mitzvah given to, to um, Avram Avinu uh, to dis- distinguish him in his level of Kedusha between him and all the other nations that came before him.
So the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach were mitzvot, and they were to B'nai Noach, and they applied to everybody. And then to the Jews, so to speak, uh, an eighth mitzvah was added. Then a ninth mitzvah was added. And, you know, depending what the ninth mitzvah is, is it uh, the mitzvah of Tzedakah through, through talking to Yitzchak about Maaser? Is it Gidah uh, Nashe or, or Maaser of Yaakov Avinu? You know, there's all different questions about those mitzvot. Point is as follows. Yeah, it tells you that on day eight, you, 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 we have a mitzvah to give a brit milah to our, to our baby boys. Why day eight? Why day eight? What's behind the gzaira of Akosh Baruch Hotel Milan day eight? It's the last one Say again? Yeah, there is such a concept that there's a Shabbos before, that's true. But from um, the Gemara's point of view, here yeah, we're going to focus on that, I think, is the, uh, the Zohar. Um, I think from, uh, from the Gemara's point of view, this is what the Gemara in... Um, this is what the Gemara refers to. There's a Gemara in Nida, which says like this. Why was Brit Milad given... Not stam given, given dafkan da eight. Kedai shelo yu avivimo atzavim vakol smechim. Says the Gemara. Sensitive was Akosh Baruch to the status of the family, specifically the unit of husband and wife, that we should wait until husband and wife can be together again, intimately. After all the problems of the huh of childbirth that can kick in. And so that the laws of dam that leave the mother's body as she gives birth to her, to, to the baby, if it's a boy, if it's a girl, there's a concept called dam tar, that the blood that comes out is, is not going to be metame her. And therefore, uh, all you have to do is wait. You wait, a, you wait a week for a boy. On day seven, you go to the mikveh. And then any bit of bleeding that takes place thereafter is dumb to her and does not make the person tamay, the woman tamay. In other words, husband and wife can, can reunite as a couple intimately, sexually, uh, after day seven at night going into day eight. So therefore, let's wait until parents can, you know, be with each other properly. And that kind of emotional unity gives each um, father and mother extra strength and simcha in, because they've come back together again now um, to be able to deal with the baby going forward themselves, etc. Right? That's the, that's the, the concept of the, of the Gemara in Masechet Nida. So this Gemara Nida, uh, this is the story. So... When this group of Talmudim were sitting around the Gaon and they asked him his, his, uh, his viewpoint on Gezairot or Mitzvot, which have a reason, and those Mitzvot then are, then the, re- the reason disappears, what do we do with that Mitzvah? The Gaon's reaction was, if you want to be Mavatel, if you want to cancel out the Gezairah because the reason has disappeared, then you'll never have a bris on day eight. The Chay Adam, who was part of the group of Talmudim of the Gaon, sitting around, 
in a sense, got up to explain at that point in time what the Gaon meant. So he jumped into the conversation to explain uh, the following. That um, there's this, uh, what the Gaon really was referring to was that the fact that the Gomorrah comes along and says that the reason why there's a mila on day 8 and not on day 7 or not on day 9, day 7 you might argue that there's some medical issues. The hemoglobin hasn't formed yet possibly. You know, that's what people say medically, that day 8 is the first time, you know, the blood is now liable to clot. Um, but, okay, let's say day 9 then. Well, day 9 wouldn't, wouldn't be good, right? Day 8 is the first day. Why not day 9? Day 8 is the first day husband and wife can be together again, right? So there's a kind of a simcha there as a result of that. So in order that everybody standing around would be sameach, and the couple would be sameach too, for if they weren't able to be together intimately, everyone else around them would be happy and they would be a little bit disappointed. In order to avoid the disappointment, um, let the woman be tamay for seven days, and then through dam to'ar, ignore the, ble- the bleeding that continues thereafter, and uh, she'd be permitted to her husband. Now, in today's day and age, what do we do? We unfortunately don't have this. In today's day and age, we've been mevatel, this concept of dam to'ar. Right? And therefore what happens is, a woman is not allowed to be intimate with her husband until she becomes tahora. And in order to become tahora, you need to wait till the bleeding stops completely. Then you have to have Shiva and Akim. Seven clean days. Now, depending on how lucky or unlucky you are, that can take a long time. You know, so if you're within seven, you know, seven days or 14 days, we can start talking shop. You know, what's the story? Dam Torah, yes, Dam Torah, no. Uh, boy, a girl. But once, what happens if you're bleeding thereafter? You got, normally you're supposed to have 33 days or 66 days. You know, you know bottom line is none of that stuff counts today. We, we uh, override that particular din and you only become muta to your husband like as if you were a nida or a zava, you know, that you can't, you've got to do hefsektara after, after the bleeding stops and then you've got to clown shivan again and, and many times a woman can, can bleed or spot for, for a long time afterwards. So you don't have this din now. So if you're going to say that the whole reason to have Mila on day 8 is so that even the couple can join us in the Simcha, and now there's no couple Simcha because Dam Torah is cancelled. So if the Xerab falls away, if a mitzvah falls away if the, because the reason fell away, then why would you have Mila on day 8? And that's what the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah? That's what he said. Okay, so that's, the, that's what he spoke about. Um, that's that's the point that he, you know, and apparently the Gaon uh, nodded in agreement with the Chai Adam's uh, interpretation or his uh, explanation of what the Gaon's opinion was. That was regarded by this Indian, but what, would he say that in general? Yes, correct. So now that's what I wanted to show you, that we can start to have a look um, at uh, and broaden the, the principle a little bit and see in a number of areas where this goes. Just before we move on to other areas of this, uh, this uh, in this particular safer here that we're learning from, 
the Panini Mishukhan Agra, they quote, they actually open Pasha Tazria with a, a shorter version of the, similar version of the story, with a, you know, with a different Nusach. But I found the Nusach Acher, which is the second, so to speak, uh, rendition of the story, is easier to put over, so I started with that. But uh, what's interesting, what's, what's added in the first version of the story is the Gemara from Shabbos. The Gemara is quoted where it says, Tanya Rabashim ben Gamliel Omer, Kol mitzvah shekibru Yisrael alayhem besimcha. Every mitzvah that is listed as having been accepted by Klal Yisrael with a real high level of motivation, besimcha. Am Yisrael were happy with certain mitzvahs, right? Those kind of mitzvahs, because they were infused with simcha, kagon mila, dichtiv, sas, anochi, alim ratecha, kemotesh al rav, Adayin osin otab simcha. It's almost like there's a kind of a, uh, uh, dare we say it, a unique karma that surrounds a mitzvah that from the time that Akash Baruch Hu gave it, Am Yisrael accepted it besimcha, and the mitzvah, no matter what, has always continued to be besimcha. Whereas a mitzvah uh, which was given to Klal Yisrael and they accepted it with a low level of motivation, they were, you know, they disgruntled about the whole Inyan, then that mitzvah always has a kind of a, uh, you know, it always brings with it a certain negative spin all the time. The example they give of a mitzvah b'simcha is Brit Mila, Sasanuchi. Sasanuchi, we're going to rejoice. Um, we, or David Amelech rejoices on uh, the concept of Imratecha, Kosh Baruch's statement, which has to do with Mila. So one of the psukim quoted there, the Brit Mila. Says the, the text here. is like fighting or ill will. Example being the mitzvahs or the restrictions that Amisal had to swallow when told that there are people you can marry and the people you can't marry, and all the various levels of boundaries within. Um, the world of intimacy, when Amishal heard those, the Pasuk tells us, and the Midrash interprets the Pasuk as saying, that they were, you know, when the spies came back, they were, you know, they were bochel and mishpachotayhem. You know, they, they cried with their families in the tent. Bochel and is the exact phrase, I believe. And I think Rashi quotes the Midrash, what were they crying about? They were crying about the fact that they had just been told, no, you can't marry this person. You can't, uh, have, you can't have a sexual encounter or intimacy with this person. And all various issues. Um, and when they heard it, they were all disgruntled about it. They were so upset about it. Like it almost as if Hashem took the joy out of life, which He did. <laughs> so since... Uh, <laughs> So since we, we approached that particular Gezeira or that Gezeira Min that Din Min Torah, with a very biased uh, negative attitude. So, says the Gemara, Adai no sinota biktata, we should expect that mitzvahs related to the boundaries of intimacy are never going to be accepted with glee. Should we say it, you know? So, so if you walk into a if you walk into a shir and you're talking about tzniut, expect that everybody's going to be 
miserable at the end of this year, you know? Because it's not never going to be accepted by Simcha. It's like, you know, the rabbis are ridiculous, the Torah is too hard, you know, it's always going to come with a kind of a... That's how it was accepted in the first place, and somehow there's a kind of a karma that, that continues with it. The Gemara actually, that they quote here from the Gemara in Shabbos, Kufulam and Aleph, the Gemara says, Deleka Ketuba, Dolo Ramu Tigra. There's no Ketuba over which a person hasn't argued the money value over. You know? How much do you think my wife is worth? My daughter's worth how much? What do you put uh, 50,000 shekels? Not, not my speak. Mm-hmm. You know? And you've got to up it and up it and up it and up it. And the wife's upset. And so, bottom line is, whenever you draw up a prenup before a wedding, you wait, wait for the arrows to start flying. Mm-hmm. Right? Whenever there's money at the beginning of a marriage, you have to work out what to do with it. You re- re- write the prenup to either prevent them getting hold of the fortune when there's death or divorce. Or giving them, yeah, whatever it is. Always ktata. There's always a kind of a, a, a negative, aggressive spin. That's, uh, you know, it's not, not the nicest document to sign. Which is quite ironic that we've turned it into artwork and hang it on our wall. No, I've never understood that. <laughs> yeah, it is strange, eh? Because it's actually a divorce statement, right? Uh, it's an IOU in case of death or divorce. Yes, I don't understand what people... I mean, do you? I mean, maybe you do. I don't know. Look, you know, put it this way. I never did it as an act of uh, minak. You know what I mean? It's not, ah, okay. it's not like, hey, I've got this piece of Torah. In our family, there's a Masorah to hang up the... One of my very good friends, actually, he was a chanich of mine, who was learning with me at Yeshiva when we got married, offered to do a ketubah for us. And so he did. So he drew this fancy thing. And uh, we signed it and hang it up, hung it up on the wall. As we do have it. Yeah. So, I, I, not, not that I, you know. No, but but, when you, but we all asked the question when first confronted with this idea. Really? You're going to hang the ketubah up on your wall? Either you don't know what it said or you're going to come up with a great shot. <laughs> you know, there's another funny one that happens at, at weddings where they have, it wouldn't have been at your wedding, but at weddings where they have... You never know where. Yeah. Where they had um, Western music. Like, like not his... Like, uh, so there's, a, there's this famous song by, and it's about divorce or splitting up. But it's got a nice beat and it's a nice dance song. Oh, really? Yeah, that's interesting. always played at Israeli weddings. Because <laughs> they don't understand the, the lyrics. lyrics. The lyrics. They don't know the lyrics. And, I, and it's a great song. It's great for dancing. But you don't play it at a wedding. Right, right. The one I couldn't stop laughing at, they played, Do you know where you're going to? <laughs> <laughs> no, this one's about like, the walls. This one's that oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, no, I never had that at my wedding. I just laughed. But I had, uh, but I had, you know, I had an interesting thing. I had um, at our wedding, um, my mother-in-law's from Polish stock, and uh, the minak of breaking the plate is like, you know, kodesh kodashim. So my mother-in-law was not going to have her daughter marry me unless we broke a plate. And on my right hand side was sitting my Rosh Hashiva, I've looked on things that Zaldu was really not happy about this minak. So you asked him to leave the room? So uh, I said to him, Rabbi, listen, if we break this plate, it'll be the only plate that's ever broken. <laughs> but if we don't break this plate, <laughs> there's going to be lots of other plates that'll be flying through the room here. Uh. So, you know, in the end, uh, he agreed, you know, he said, okay, I'll let you break the plate. 
And as I'm breaking the plate, my mother and my mother-in-law, he's like whispering into my ear, you know, Baltashkis, Baltashkis, Baltashkis. And you know? like because of that? Yeah, it's like it's a crazy minak. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, the source of the minak is either Zeichel or Mikdash. You know, like you break the glass under the chuppah, you bash the plate. And others state that, you know, Tanoim were signed in many communities before, uh, let's say, 300 years ago. The Tanoim basically bound the two families contractually to invest in the marriage. And uh, the Tanoim were signed by guarantors, and wit- there were guarantors and there were witnesses. Bottom line is it's quite a serious contract. And if the contract was broken, um, it, was a, it was like violating your word, which was, you know, possibly worse than a divorce in certain regards. You know, um, because then you gave your word, you signed that you'd bring in X amount of money or property into the, into the marriage. To demonstrate that tenoyim that are broken, you know, um, breaking your word can never be fixed, so to speak. So you break a plate which can never be fixed. But I think the first reason is the more correct reason. Or should we say, more correct. Anyway, the bottom line is, I'll bring that point there, but the issue is, is that, yeah, the Gemara is already forewarning you. And whenever you get into discussion about these issues, you know, and the, and the halachic strictures around all areas of governance, there's always going to be like this kind of an ill feeling. You know, people feel outdone by because Baruch took out the pleasure of life. You know? And uh, he has an interesting insight that it's a kind of a karma already from day one. If, if Amisha would have accepted it for Simcha, we wouldn't have had such a hard time and such a big yates horror to violate these things. Prob- possibly. Maybe that's the pshat here. Either way, it was the, it's, not, it's, the, it's the, what you call it, it's this nice idea that, uh, that he brings here. Now, the, word of the, the words of the Gemara are, any mitzvah which, is, which was taken on by Am Yisrael, accepted by Am Yisrael, besimcha, continues besimcha. The way you say continues, the Gemara uses the word adayin, still. Adayin osinota besimcha. Adayin osinota biktata. So the Gaon apparently made a comment which went like this. Perush tevat adayin, this idea, it's still being kept this way. Um, he says, Yan batalatam. Since now the, the reason has disappeared. Kagon Mila. For example, with Mila, that we've learned why you have it on the eighth day so that everybody, including the couple, can be Basimcha. And even though nowadays this idea doesn't apply, and the mother and the father are somewhat depressed that they can't touch each other or be intimate with each other. Nevertheless, they have an element of simcha. The, 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 the approach to the mitzvah of Mila is simchadik, even, even amongst the parents, um, because Am Yisrael originally kept it besimcha. Uh, despite the fact that they can't be together. The start they have to can't be together, correct. Yeah. That is the... Um, you could argue this point out, to be honest. You could say that today you do have a lot of mothers, even fathers, who are absolutely shocked that we are doing this barbaric act of mutilating our kid at eight days old. So, you, and I, I mean, I'm not joking about it, meaning I see it, I experience it so often. 
You know, the mothers especially can't get over what we're doing to the kid. Why do we do this? You know, because it's traumatic. You know, you, so those of us who are sort of semi-used to it, when it's your kid, you all of a sudden have second thoughts. Yo, is this real? You sure you got heard right? You know, Abraham, you know? Yeah. You know, this they, is the... They get the whale and we have to cut off the tips of our what? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I think everybody feels a little bit um, challenged by that. But for what it's worth, in other words, that sentiment today is definitely there. I, I, I have it have it all the time. And yet they still do the brews. Yet they still do it. I'm talking about the Frumist of Hevra. They're like people are nervous and emotional and they can't help wondering why on earth Hashem really wants us to do this. So even while you're standing there at the breast, men, much of the time, uh, you know, I'm busy trying to comfort the, the, the father. So, you know, look at, listen, we all had it, man. We all, we will, you'll be good. Yeah. So Hashem wants, right? We don't know why. So depending on how you, depending on how you um, package the, the explanation and who you're dealing with, but Anyway, what I'm just saying, I brought it as a counterpoint to say that not everybody that sees the Miller as a Basimcha. You know, people are upset or scared about it. Anyway, nevertheless, the majority of Frum people, the majority of Klal Israel, nevertheless, even if there are, even if there are individual sentiments are questioning the rationale behind it, but the, the concept of a Bris is a Simcha. You know what I'm saying? In other words, you have a party. But... And that applies, I see that in even those non-form people who do it. Correct, I'm saying everybody like, yeah. makes a simcha out of it. Yeah. You know? So dying is, that is you know, yeah. And regarding the restrictions of intimacy of Arayot the Mishpachotav, that the Anche Knesset Agadola, despite the fact that the Anche Knesset Agadola bitlu litra the Kravut, you know the famous story that Chazal brought on in Yuma and in Sanhedrin that they deadened the Eight Sahara of incest, of um, Avodah Zorah. Yeah. And then they tried it on, uh, on incest. Um, and Akosh Baruch allowed a certain element of the Eight Sahara to be Mavutal, but not the whole thing. In fact, not the majority of it. So when the Gemara says, they saw how successful they were at uh, neutralizing the Yetzirah for Avodah Zorah. They tried it on, on incest, on intimacy, yeah. on uh, sexual depravity, whatever you want to uh, you know, frame it. The, the world basically lost its passion and lost its fire. Chazal saw it couldn't exist without it. Therefore they said, okay, let's just a little bit. So Akash Baruch said, you know, okay... There were certain parameters there. You can't have it, but a certain, a certain level of intimacy, I'll take the Yetzirah out of. And that was intimacy between relatives. So even though that's disappeared, right? Um, nevertheless, Osin Biktata Dayin, mitzvot related to these areas of, uh, of Gezeira are always... Have a, you know, I never accepted the simple. So that was just uh, the extra little piece on uh, on this issue. So going back to what I'll just do is I'll introduce it and we'll do it next time, Leonida. But going back to our original point, that is, 
the Parsha Tazriya was an opportunity to say over the Chirush because we have the Tzivui, the command of the Mitzvah of Mila, on the eighth day. Yes? Mm-hmm. In discussion as to whether a Mitzvah or a Gezeira of Chazal should uh, disappear because the reason for it, for it being there no longer exists, uh, that was asked to the Gaon. His reaction was, if you accept that viewpoint, you will neutralize Mila on day eight because nowadays the reason that the Gemara gave as to why the mitzvah should be on day 8 doesn't exist anymore. So what, you're not going to do Mila? That, right? And that now brings us to other areas where reasons seem to disappear um, and we have to work out the approach. So we're going to go and look at some of the other mitzvot in the Torah and Gezairahs of Chazal that were in place for a certain point in time and then they were open to debate whether they still should be there. As you well know, Shlomo Melech, Rabbi Shmuel, they were, they were classic examples of people. Are these mitzvot uh, the writer or Rabbanan? Both. Like Mila, as you see, is a Doraita mitzvah. And even Minag then? And even this other one that I was telling you about, the uncovered liquids, you know, um, that would be a Din Rabbanan. You know? Then you have to discuss kidney art also. You're going to bring up the kitten yacht, huh? <laughs> Yeah, well, that's exactly right. It, it does form part of the discussion. You know, why do you have to have the, the minag of kitten yacht if... Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that is a good point. It's one of those kind of questions. So, we, we're going we're gonna to meet up with Shlomo Melech. You know, right? remember, he was, he was uh, being a little clever when he uh, gave reasons, you know, oh, the Torah gave a reason, Shlomo Melech tripped up with it, remember? Yeah. He thought he was going to... And then Rabbi Shmael also, remember Rabbi Shmael, I don't know if you know the famous story in the Mishnah. There was oh, a, with the light. With the, the light, light, remember yeah. that? Yeah? There was a Gzaira of Chazal, don't learn Laura and Eric, because you might come to increase the fuel supply and brighten the light, yeah? Yeah. Anyway, so the Gaon discusses both of these personalities within the context of this discussion. Yeah, so we'll pick it up uh, next time, um, and then uh, we'll get to this issue of tuma, the tuma of the, or the so-called ruach uh, raak, the unhealthy business of the. We'll get to that as well in the Maaseraf. So we'll leave it here for tonight and um, continue our discussion next week. Okay, thank you. All right, guys.